Hey kids, it's us. Were you even listening? We're back for another season of hot takes, incredible topic transitions, and commentary. We're absolutely not professionals. Today we're talking about Album of the Year 2019, Norman fucking Rockwell by the Queen, Lana, Lana Del, Del Rey. Yes, yeah, so this is obviously already Album of the Year. Um, is it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's definitely up there for me. And like, I'm not even as large of a Lana stan as you are. Yeah, okay, I wouldn't call myself a stan per I se. Would, I would absolutely call we'll you a qualify stan. somebody as a stan. Just somebody, I mean, for me, it's just someone who really likes and appreciates and talks about an artist. For others, it's I'm going to stalk people and <laughs> stalk the artist and create fake accounts in their honor. Lana fan XX1, XX2, talking about all of Mine's Lana's actually activities. called Sparkle Jump Rope Queen. Mm, okay. 42. And your picture's Lana with a flower crown, and then your picture's, like, the cover photo is, like, a desert. Yeah. Only, like, deep-cut Lana fans would understand what Sparkle Jump Rope Queen even means or is referring to, because that's some deep fucking Lizzie Grant shit right there. Mm-hmm. But, but you've been a fan of Lana Del Rey since before she was Lana Del Rey. So you are a, you are objectively a very large fan of her work, I would say. I would say so, yeah. Okay. So I'm excited to talk about it. Let's get into the episode. So the album cover, first off, the first thing that you are presented with when you go to look at and listen to NFR is Lana Del Rey and Duke Nicholson, which is Jack Nicholson's grandson, on a sailboat at sea. Like that's. A I m- really like this album art. It's a mood I didn't think I needed until it was presented to me, I think. It's just, it's such like, it's very emotive. It's very specific. It's very her. And I think nothing else could possibly have fit this album other than this photograph. I think, honestly, I think it's my favorite one. I don't like the uh, deluxe edition album art nearly as much as no, this No, no. The one where with her and her um, two friends who yeah. are, happen to be in a couple of her videos. Um, and the ones that she released for Venice Bitch mm. and Mariner's Apartment Complex. And I'm assuming they're going to be in Happiness is a Butterfly, which hasn't come out yet. But we know it's coming. Um, but also her sister Chuck shot the album cover. So that's really cute. Mm. Like, you know. I think it's the, f- I believe it's, I don't think she shot any of her other ones. Well, actually, no, she did Lust for Life, but whatever. I really like it, though. The American flag is still there, which I was curious about because she was talking about how she didn't want to use the American flag anymore to represent. Like, you know how she's big on that yeah. or whatever, but she had said before that she didn't want to use it anymore mm. to represent herself. But... It's not like she's holding it and waving it. It's just kind of there in the background yeah. of the sailboat. But yeah, no, this cover is definitely a mood. It's colorful and it's mm-hmm. fun. I like it the best for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is her fifth major studio album released yes. on Polydor Interscope. It's technically Main... her sixth, but mm-hmm. like I, f- I think most people refer to it as her fifth just because it's, it's the studio album. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly produced by her and Jack Antonoff, who has produced, like, fucking every album created by a female pop artist. Lord, Taylor Swift, St. Vincent. Recently, Taylor Swift, like, Taylor's album came out... Two weeks ago? Yeah, like, a week before Lana's did. Yeah. So... It also wasn't, like, great. 
It wasn't it wasn't the, my favorite. I'm honestly super tired of this dude, but like this doesn't sound like a Jack Antonoff produced production. It so doesn't. Like, I'm super they okay really with that. clicked. Like it's very interesting how like, cause he, I mean, I feel like he's definitely he is a di- he makes diverse sounds. Like Lord's albums do not sound like Taylor Swift's. But albums. they there's always one song that you're like, yeah, this is a fucking Jack Antonoff song. Yeah, and I like. Guess. Taylor Swift's whole album is basically just a fucking Bleachers album that she happens to be singing. So it's like, it's hard to escape his specific vision, I guess, for what pop music sounds like. And he did like very good on this. And I just feel like they must have really clicked, even though I feel like she's not his typical sound, Mm -hmm. which is great. That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she began releasing singles for Norman Fucking Rockwell in 2018, starting with Mariner's Apartment Complex, and I remember when that came out, and like the album was announced like shortly after. She will be going on tour for NFR starting in fall in the U.S., nowhere near us, unfortunately. Unless we want to fly to California, we <laughs> won't be able to see her. like at this moment. But, but yeah. Uh, for more background on it, she in an interview with All 98.7, she said she wrote a good portion of the record just driving in her car. Like, she brings the recorder with her and, like, puts it on her shoulder and just starts, like, singing. Oh. So that she remembers, like, what she's you know, said while she was driving. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's, like, a power move if I ever I mean, that's, like, one. probably really, like, dangerous and distracting, but also, like, if that's where you get your creativity... It's yeah, like yeah, driving do down it. the highway, and she even talks about that in her music. How she just driving down the PCH. PCH and just in a convertible writing poetry. Yeah. I mean, you do you. However, it works. <laughs> I mean, and then Billboard has a poll where you can vote on your favorite song. And in case you were curious, "Doing Time" is the fan favorite right now. I think that makes sense. Followed immediately by "Cinnamon Girl." I really like Doing Time. I like it a lot. But I also really like basically every song on here. Every so. song is good. This is album of the year. We've already established this. So if you don't like, if you didn't like this record, if you already heard it, then you're not going to like what we have to say, I guess, because <laughs> we're going to rave about this. But um, as far as the critics go, Bitchfork gave it a 9.4 out of 10. <laughs> I'm glad that we're staying with that. <laughs> Because truly, fuck that shit. But yeah. yeah, so on her elegant and complex fifth album, Lana Del Rey sings exquisitely of freedom and transformation and the wreckage of being alive. It establishes her as one of America's greatest living songwriters. Stereo Gum called it yoga music for the apocalypse. I'm getting that tattooed on my forehead. It's so good. It's so good. Absolutely. <laughs> Yoga music for the apocalypse. Stream Norman fucking Rockwell. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> like, that, that's basically what it is. But, like, I think, and we'll get into a little, it a little bit later. I think this is definitely more of a, not necessarily optimistic, but it's not a sad record. I don't think. No. Like, it's at hopeful. all. It's no. Yeah. Uh, Vice, no rating, but gave it, like, a pretty positive review, saying she projects the same self-confidence, a wise mix of caution, open-mindedness, and a feeling familiar is a big source of her project's power because Lana, over time, hasn't really changed. She was right all along, which me personally don't necessarily agree that she hasn't changed. I think she certainly has. I think she certainly has changed. Like, I feel like she's always been true to her core. 
Mm-hmm. And, like, she makes the same nods to, like, you know, past work, like, the cherry cola is something that's been evident throughout all her music. And, you know, she has nods to her old work, but, like, it's evolved. Her sound has evolved. Yeah. So I sort of don't agree, but that's fine. And Rolling Stone gave it four and a half stars, and the review for that is absolutely ridiculous and funny to it's, read. It's, like, not on the same level as the Kid A Pitchfork review, but like, it's it's good. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, wait, wait. Let me let me just find yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Lana Del Rey turns her fifth and finest album into a tour of sordid American dreams, going deep cover into our nation's most twisted fantasies of glamour and danger. No other songwriter around does such an expert job of building up elaborate romantic fantasies and then burning them to the ground. Like, okay. Have your fantasies ever been burnt down by Lana Del Rey? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever been <laughs> personally victimized by a lyric in a Lana Del Rey song. So, I mean, yes, but... <laughs> so, I guess we'll get into, like, our analysis. Um, oh, also, I did read somewhere that it got the highest Metacritic rating of some sort of category. It got an 80, 88 out of 100 for the... For... Highest user score, I think, on Metacritic. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's cool. Metacritic is, like, such a mysterious place. It is. Because you can just, people will just be like, oh, this has a woman in it. Let me give it a zero out of ten because I'm angry and shitty and obviously not well-adjusted and have never known love in my entire life. Exactly. But, like, congrats to that. Congrats. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so for our thoughts and analysis, I mean, pretty much this album is too important and life-changing for human words and description, mm-hmm. but we'll do our best. But please also stream NFR for clear, for clear skin. skin. Like, I'm already starting to, like, clear up. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing what, what this record, record will do to you. Just put this on, brew yourself, like, a whole pot of tea. Just have that next to you while you sit near a window in a big blanket blasting this as loud as humanly possible, reading some poetry, writing some poetry. It's really the only way to listen to it, I feel. (laughs) Have at least one succulent near you. (laughs) Consider doing yoga, but don't. (laughs) Exactly. So for this record, as Lana Del Rey herself said, this is some deeply introspective, thoughtful, sad girl shit. I'd say yeah, but it also, like, there's a relatively hopeful tone, even if it is sometimes sad. And I feel like a lot of people are realizing her authenticity with this record, because mm-hmm. I've noticed that's something that a lot of people have been pointing out. But, like, I feel like she's as th- authentic as she always has been, just maybe she's grown up, you know, and ta- her talent has gotten better. Like, she's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's naturally progressed in her career. I don't necessarily think that she wasn't authentic before. I just feel like she progressed in her career. I think it's honestly, there's just, like, a taste of, like, a wisdom here, maybe. Like, just knowing. You know, like, a Florence album. You listen to a Florence album, and it's like, this is the Earth goddess herself speaking to us because she knows. You know, she knows the experience. But this is kind of the equivalent of that, where it's like, Lana has done all these things. She's created all of these characters. She's had the the characters with the affairs and the duplicitous husbands and this blowing up helicopters with a Nerf gun 
thing. Now we're kind of like the reflective, more introspective side of those characters, of those mm-hmm. women in her past albums. Exactly. And like for me, like as someone who follows her career since, you know, 2011, 2012, I feel like this is the best one. I feel like it's a little bit more poetic than Ultraviolence and Honeymoon, which were very like they were definitely like something where she just wrote poetry and set it to music like that's how she did those records um but like this one is is I think is better and which is weird to me because I didn't think I would like anything better than ultraviolence and I Mm -hmm. did but it's consistent it's well produced Jack Antonoff is a prince who did a great job on this he like let her own self shine through in this Mm -hmm. like 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 you were saying before it's not like it felt like a Jack Antonoff record yeah. Like, it felt like Lana Del Rey. So. I think, obviously, like, he knew when to step back and to not force a Steel Train song on her. Because that wouldn't fit here. It wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. She did a lot of, like, radio interviews and different... And she did an interview with the New York Times and stuff. Stuff that... A lot of press stuff that she doesn't normally do. Yeah. I which feel was interesting. Like there's definitely been a lot of push for this album. And I think... Honestly, if you're going to push a Lana Del Rey album, like, this is the one I think that makes the most sense mm-hmm. to do it with. Because this is the one that, like, got me to really, like, appreciate it and enjoy it. Like, I'm not the biggest Lana Del Rey fan. I haven't been. I've liked a few songs every now and then, you know. But this album is just, like, something that kind of transcends that that fandom or that interest. It's just like, this is a good goddamn album. Like, this is the album of first to listen to that will really let you know, like, if you like this artist or not. Right. Because this is so much, like, of what she's been doing in the past, but, like, heightened and refined to a point where it's, like, a pretty standard, I think, litmus test to whether or not you really enjoy the type of music that Lana creates. Like, I would say it's a good starting point, honestly. Exactly. And like, also, I feel like there's no persona here, which I think a lot of the reason people have issues with her is because of the persona in Born to Die. Oh, yeah. Because like there's this this guarded kind of not necessarily like dishonesty, but it's just like this isn't her. Mm -hmm. This is a facsimile of this live fast, die hard, bad girls do it well, California dreaming experience. Mm -hmm. And this isn't that. Exactly. So for the title track and opener, uh, Norman fucking Rockwell, amazing. She said herself that it was her favorite on the record. I think it might be mine, It's honestly, honestly like, you goddamn man-child, you fucked me so good, I almost said I love you. Like, way to set the fucking tone. It's incredible. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. Except it does, because we go on <laughs> to Mariner's apartment complex, which is also amazing. And I remember... When that first dropped, like, over a year ago. Yeah. That's how long we've been waiting for this to come out. Um, But I remember, like, I couldn't stop listening to it. It's, like, it's definitely turned into one of my favorites. It's, like, I feel like it's, like, hopeful, but also, at the same time, almost sad. Yeah. But. Well, and it, like, fits here, like, so well. Like, it was a very good um, representation of what the rest of the album was going to feel like. It's still a fantastic song, even though it's been a long time, and. Like, same with Venice, Venice Bitch. Like, it's two of probably my favorite songs on here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because, I mean, like, Venice Bitch is just so, so good and, and so the different. And fact, the fact that she released Venice Bitch, like, a 10-minute song as yeah. a single is just proof that she does whatever she feels is right, like, for her own art and doesn't care what anybody else really has to say. Yep. And I think this is the first album that she's really doesn't care about, like, leaving charts behind. Like, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, she's been doing these press tours and, like, has been promoting it and has, you know, made videos saying how appreciative she mm. is about all the reviews and, like, people listening to it. So she does care but in the it's, same it's sense it's not a single friendly album yeah um but yeah and that going even back to mariner's apartment complex like what i love about that is like that first line when she was not the first line yes it is you took my sadness out of context at the mariner's apartment complex mm. like i don't think it's specifically a reference to that 2014 interview with the guardian where, like, they titled it, I Wish I Was Dead Already, and she got upset because they pretty much twisted her words and yeah. asked leading questions and took it out of context, basically. Mm-hmm. At Mariner's apartment. But I don't think, like. yeah, I don't think, and yeah, that's where the interview was. But I don't think that that's directly referencing that. I think that's saying, in general, like, people in her past have been so quick to judge her for the things she said and did mm-hmm. in the music she was making when all she's really trying to do is just, like, muddle along like the rest of us right. and i think that's what that song a lot of that song is about and i think she's definitely a different sort of artist than when she was on saturday night live like if that yeah. was a moment that stopped you from being interested like reassess exactly like for sure especially because like i know i know during that like <laughs> that, that performance Video <laughs> apparently she was trying to do something different with her sound and yeah. that's but I've also heard her sing those songs like live and did them just fine. <laughs> so, so it's it's truly fine. But um yeah, and then doing time, the Sublime cover. Like I agree with something you were saying before, where you said it sounded it sounded like a 1960s spy film. Yeah, no, it really like, does. Like honestly, there's so many layers to the production here, and this rendition of doing time, I think, is such like a good choice for her it fits like this could be in a james bond movie mm-hmm. this could be in like a remake of something or like a reimagining of a 60s spy film like it's not necessarily a modern sound but it's one that we don't hear often mm-hmm. i think now and i really just like appreciate the influences i think that went into a lot of the songs on this album yeah and i'm glad she didn't shy away of doing it just because it was sublime yeah. Like, I know basically her record label, like, a bunch of people, they wanted a bunch of people to cover Sublime songs for the documentary that was coming out. And I'm glad she didn't, like, shy away from that, you know, just because it is Sublime. Yeah. Because um, it's doing crazy on the charts, by the way. It's, like, number two on Alternative Billboard, and it spent 14 weeks on the chart. Like Not surprising. Really. Yeah. So it plays, like, every day on All Buffalo. So, <laughs> And we play it on WFSE. So. That's good. Uh, but yeah, and then, you know, Love Song and Happiness is a Butterfly. Those ones definitely remind me of her Lizzie Grant days. Throwing it back to anybody who's an old, old Lana fan. I will say those are the two that I think stood out less to me than other tracks. Mm-hmm. They're not bad by any means. But I think with the rest of the track listing, like, they were the two that I would be more willing to, like, look over instead of, you know, like, Bartender or right. California. I mean, these are for sure, like, 
when these, like, I know she shared snippets of both those songs on Instagram. She shared, like, half the album in advance yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, she released that final track, um, Hope is Dangerous Thing. And I thought for sure when I heard those th- songs, I'm like, this is just going to be, like, old May Jeller, like, Lizzie Grant stuff. Like, stuff that she literally wrote during that time. And it's just re-releasing it like she did with Serial Killer. But, like, it's not. It's, like, so her now. It's her sound now. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about it. Like, I know specifically with, like, the, that trio of songs, it's pretty much just her vocals and, like, a piano-guitar combo. Yeah. Like, I feel like I like the simplicity there. I feel like that's not to say there isn't, like, amazing production value on here. Like, The Last Minute of Cinnamon Girl. Mm-hmm. Very good. Like, which also, like, that's obviously a fan favorite. The like, last I, four I minutes tell. of Venice Bitch. Oh my god! Like jam band, ridiculous. Yes, but no, I I love Cinnamon Girl. Like that was one that she shared that a snippet of that on Instagram, and I literally could not stop listening to it. Like I would replay the minute video and just keep replaying. I'm like, I need I need the full version of this song, but that one's good. California sounds like it could have been on Born to Die. Yeah, just the way her sound is. Like if I feel like. That's a sound that a lot of people hated on Born to Die, <laughs> that people didn't like on Born to Die, but I liked it. Yeah. No, I so. think it's a good song. <laughs> I do. I think, honestly, to be, like, completely true and, like, frank, I think the best, the next best American record is probably the weakest song here. Really? I would I disagree completely. I thought the weakest song was um, How to Disappear for me. Yeah. But. Like, I think it's American record simply because it's just, like, it's just, like, there to me. Like, lyrically, it's not doing anything particularly interesting. It's not making any takes that haven't already been made on the album. It's just kind of present. And I guess How to Disappear is sort of similar to me there. Yeah. Like, it's good. They're both, like, again, like, to preface, like, everything is, it's all, they're all good songs on here. But I think it's just, like, those two specifically are kind of, like, weaker links that definitely make sense why they are in the back half of the record yeah i disagree with the next best american record one because that one was one of my favorites Mm. but i definitely understand that it's like that and along with um how to disappear is just more of the same yeah a little bit yeah i could definitely see that i just like you know i just like you know when she says topanga's hot tonight because she obviously says that in her last record as well but it's like almost in a hopeful kind of falling in love kind of tone Mm. instead of like describing charles manson and his cult (laughs) writing in blood on the walls and like drug use ruining someone's life like instead of that vibe it's more like i'm falling in love (laughs) so (laughs) i mean that was kind of interesting and then obviously bartender is the best song on the record bartender is impeccable like there is nothing wrong with that song it's perfect like that song specifically i think really um displays like the tone and the feeling of the record and that like the music and the lyrics they join to make this understanding and like creating a musical landscape that's honestly i think it's like impossible not to like lose yourself to in that moment like it's depressing. It's a sobering representation of what it's like to get everything and nothing from people. It's like the fakeness of Hollywood. 
the longing for real love, the lack of a real love that we face in our world of danger and fear. And like Lana just did the fucking damn thing. Like to, to put it bluntly, like it's just, it's such a good like representation of her journey and stuff, especially bartender. Yeah. I like, I, I love the way she emphasizes tender in it mm-hmm. like because i feel like that's something she wants and has never had and that's something she says on cinnamon girl too like that's you know hold me without hurting me you'll be the first that ever does like you know it's like that's her theme throughout like that's kind of all she wants is like that hallmark card kind of love and like that's what a lot of the record is about and like with bartender too like i really liked the line remember i'm not drinking wine but that cherry coke you serve is fine mm-hmm. And I like that because I feel like that was just a little nod at, you know, she struggled with alcohol as a teenager and it's something she wrote a lot about in Born to Die and her in Paradise and like older music. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, and most of her early music was about that wilder life that she led when she was younger and she talks a lot now about how her life has really calmed down since Mm -hmm. that time. And so it's kind of nice that it's almost like that version of her is like, in her past yeah a little bit and that's how the um florence record highest hope was too it's like the same the same energy the same sort of arc obviously from a different lens because they're very while they're similar artists in some ways like lyrical content and things like that like they're very different they're on different ends of the pop world i would say but they do have some similarities and like i didn't really realize that i think until this album right it's good there's someone I'm trying to even think of what tracks we didn't cover, but I mean the greatest is amazing. Fuck it, I love you is good. Fuck it, I love you is good. The last song is good. It's all good. I love it. So like, I mean, for my final like thoughts on it, ultimately this album as a whole kind of almost feels like a love song. Mm-hmm. Like, although there are some like introspective thoughts here on the like the world we're living in today, the greatest in particular, you know, she talks about like. Kanye West is blonde and gone and like just does a lot of commentary on like how life is today you know like we're not a Norman Rockwell painting I think you know is what we're trying to say like she's not painting like a vision of the American dream Mm -hmm. like I think she's just relaying her own feelings of like you know frustration or whatever but she's doing it with like optimism and I feel like it's like her most sincere and like also her most confident yeah feel like we're just all like humans trying to make our way through shit and then you know there's the occasional like men are trash message sprinkled in there as well which i mean accurate yeah (laughs) so i feel like that's really like that's what the record is and i think that's what makes it so good because i think it's different than her the rest of them yeah even less for life which is apparently supposed to be was supposed to be hopeful because she's smiling on the cover this one is more, I feel like this one is more than that. Actually, this one's, like, actually in content a hopeful album. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lost for Life, like, I wouldn't really say it was. It had an uplifting title and she was smiling, but. But, yeah, it really wasn't. What should we cook up for the kids today? A depressing <laughs> album. Like, shaped like a heart. Exactly. And this one is definitely not that. So. Yeah. I don't know. I would say this is the definitive album from Lana, like. It's the end and the beginning of this arc as an artist of all of her time in the public sphere. Like, this is, I feel like, the culmination of all of the lessons learned, all of the 
musicality to musicianship. This is everything. It's everything. Period. Like, this album is transcendent. Everything on here literally makes me nostalgic for a memory I don't even have. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's what I kept thinking, especially during, like, the singles, like, yeah. Venice Bitch and stuff. I'm, no, like, just, I'm, like, so... feeling nostalgia, but I've also never yeah. heard this song yeah. before. Yeah, no, it's so... so emotive, and there's so much, like, emotion here that, like, you have literally no choice but to just imagine these scenes. And they're so real. They're so concrete. Like, it's, it's a hyper-focused, it's a very specific artistic take. And it's one that you would just immediately understand as soon as you hear it. Yeah. And I like that. Lana won't not fuck you the fuck up. Mm-hmm. This is the, You know the Addy. Pull up. <laughs> this is the this is the ooze of 2019. Like That's good. Like, I like that. Mm-hmm. Because you know, like, we fucking loved the ooze. Let me tell you. I loved the ooze. I loved the ooze too. It was very jazzy. Yeah. Very But like the same sort of it had a mood to it that was hard to sort of like escape or not like fall into. I think this is the same kind of thing. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Norman fucking Rockwell album of the year, 2019, no doubt about it. We got a few months left, but I'd be surprised if anything topped this for me, but I'm also a stan, so my opinion is a little biased. I'm not, so... Exactly. Like, you're not a stan, so no. your opinion is actually more valuable because you're obje- you're more objective. We also never know. Jesus is King, the new Kanye West album, could be amazing. <sighs> he said. <laughs> He's blonde and gone. That like, <laughs> that, like, hurt to say. Like, it probably won't be good. I mean, it's probably not going to be even a little good. It's just going to be something that people are going to give a lot of clout because it's Kanye West. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, his last album was fucking garbage. And, like, I don't care who the hell you are, what the hell you're saying. Like, I don't even remember what the hell it was called. The one after Life of Pablo that he did in Montana. Oh, I don't even remember. I don't even think I even listened to the full thing for that. I watched, like, The Listening Party 2 in fucking Montana. Like, hold on. What the goddamn was that called? Yay. Right, I should have known. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, fuck that album. <laughs> Moral of the story is, please give Norman fucking Rockwell... A chance. ...all your streams, or buy it. I bought some Lana merch, actually, and I got the digital download of the album with it. I got a tank top that says Venice Bitch. It's amazing. Should be coming soon. Amazing what we can do with technology these days. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say on on before we really run this into the ground? No, it's just a fucking good album. <laughs> like, that's it. That's it. Bottom line, there's the tea. There's the tea. Spilt right in front of you. It's a I don't good e- album. I don't even know why we bothered analyzing this, because I think we already established that this is too important for human words and descriptions. So It's good. <laughs> like, it's a, it's a genuinely good record. There's nothing, even if you don't like Lana Del Rey, like, this is a good album. Even if you don't like her type of music, like, regularly, this is something that's so well done and so universal that, like, you can just get into it. She she deserves a Grammy, finally. Yeah. The Grammys don't know what they're doing, though, so. She'll be nominated for something, I'm sure. I'm sure she will. 
But she won't win because she never does. Because Ariana Grande is going to win like 13 again for fucking Thank You Next. Which, by the way, Lana beat Thank You Next on Pitchfork. Congratulations with her 9.4 in the pop R&B category. But they're friends. So yeah. oh, they're yeah. very no. supportive of each other. And they have a song coming out together. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yes, her Ariana Grande and Miley Cyrus confirmed have a song coming out. Confirmed by Lana herself in an interview I watched. Wait, so, so Ariana, Miley, and Lana? And Lana, Lana all album. three of them on one song. Oh, my God. And I believe it's for a movie, but I wasn't paying enough attention to the interview to actually so it's gonna be gather like, that info. So it's going to be like bang, bang, but good. Yeah, pretty much. I'm yeah. actually really excited for it. Yeah. Also, like, I, I watched this really – I watched this interview where this guy thought that she was smiling on the cover of her artwork. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was lust for life, obviously. Mm. And she was so cute. She didn't embarrass him. She, like, downplayed it. And she was like, oh, I don't, I don't think I was really smiling. I think I was more smirking. And he wouldn't drop it either. Did you see that one interview? I forget who it was with, where they asked her about how James Franco wrote a book or was trying to write a book of real and imagined conversations with Lana because he wanted to low-key smash. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I kind of told him. It's like, why don't you just make it? fake conversations with Lana Del Rey and we'll just it'll be a character thing <laughs> but you know it's whatever <laughs> excuse me oh my god I love her <laughs> I love her so much I I the only thing that's not perfect about her is the fact that she's not touring around here yet she's like literally she'll be in the UK and in, in you know the, the in next, California the next leg will be here so no I don't think there is a leg that's going to be here. I think if it's a if it's a world tour for Lada Del Rey, I don't know if she'll it is. be over. She'll she's gonna play at least New York. So we'll see. There will be another leg. We'll see. I promise you. <laughs> that's it. I don't know what we're doing next week. Uh, we're probably gonna talk about Bat for Lashes next week. At least Bat for Lashes. Maybe something else. Yeah. We'll who who out. knows? Really, we don't know. You don't know. Side A will be Bat for Lashes. That's it. <laughs>